It's good to be back among you. Thank you for having us today. Uh, thank you for your prayers and your encouragement and your support over the past three, four years that we've been gone. And thank you for your welcome for us today. Um, today I would like to talk to you a little bit about um, some feelings that you may have had when you were younger or maybe even now. Um, have you ever felt like that you were not in the group, that you were separate, that you were excluded, that you were foreign and alien, a stranger, that people around you were hostile, that you were without hope, and that you were without God? Um, I felt like this in my past. I felt a little like this in Hungary. We are strangers and aliens in this land. We cannot communicate like we uh, would like to. We are foreigners, and it feels very strongly. Um, this is how we were with God. Sometimes I feel this way with God still, but um, this is a feeling. And in this uh, scripture passage, it talks about the difference between how we used to be away from God and how we are now. With God, what is the reality of our lives? Uh, Paul talks here about being brought near by the blood of Christ. We are not far away anymore. We have been brought through, brought near through the blood of Christ. We have been included. We are friends now. We have friendship in our hearts. We are together with God. We are friends with God. We have hope with God. Peace with God, and we have God. I think one of his favorite numbers in the world is the number one. Over and over, he talks about in the Bible about how um, he wants people to be one. Jesus prayed um, right before uh, he left and went to the cross that his people would be one, just as he and the Father are one. Uh, there's a picture of the result in the last few verses that we read, or that Karen read, he takes a picture of um, war and peace and taking two people and making them one person. And then he starts talking about buildings. And again, he says, Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of God's household. We belong. We are built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the cornerstone, excuse me, the chief cornerstone. In him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. This... The Ministry of Reconciliation is pretty much why we went to Hungary. I think a lot of us are called to that, and it's been really interesting to think about how God could use new body parts of his in Hungary. We have seen some people um, come to the Lord, not by our hands, but by others, and, and God is bringing uh, especially many deaf people to the Lord. Um, Doug is going to be telling you some stories about what's going on in our lives and what's going on in Hungary. Once again, thank you very much for having us and for letting us share today. Good morning again. Uh, like you said, it's been a while, but I forget how long a while it is. So, uh, How many of you 
were here last time we spoke. Ah, most of you. Well, well, I'll be nice to those of you who weren't here last time we spoke. Um, my wife and I first visited Hungary in 1992, and after a long story that does not bear telling today, we served as missionaries uh, from 2002 to 2004 in Budapest, the capital city, mainly to the deaf. Uh, then we came home for 14 months and went back as missionaries to the deaf in a smaller city called Vats. It's about 30,000 people maximum. There is a deaf school in town, and I spend some time volunteering at the deaf school trying to teach them how to play baseball, trying to teach them, teach them how to read and write English, um, and also to try to give them some good adult attention, which is something that deaf kids don't get very much of in Hungary. Um, so, for those of you who were here last time, you might say, well, what have you done since then? Well, we just got news that we are now, my wife and I are now a limited liability company in Hungary. We're licensed to teach English and earn our own money. Ta-da! Uh, what did we spend the last year doing? I spent the last year doing three things. Adjusting to Hungary and Hungarian life, uh, not learning enough language, and being reconciled to God myself in many ways that I hadn't guessed. Uh, people think missionaries are special people. Ah, oh, we're so special. Yeah, I polish my halo every day, especially before I come to church. But I must confess that when I came, to, came here today, uh, one, I'm rather tired from traveling a lot yesterday, uh, being separated from my family. And also, today, during my quiet time, I was trying to pray or bring my thoughts to God or whatever, but all I could think of was an old Cat Stevens song called Hard-Headed Woman. And it's really hard to pray to God when all you can think of is the line, I'm looking for a hard-headed woman, you know, <laughs> one who will make me do my best. <laughs> and then the song kept going, besides, uh, I couldn't stop, you know, and if I find my hard-headed woman, all my life will be blessed. And I said, boy, that was a stupid thought, but uh, Paul says, take every thought captive to Christ. And I said, dear God, thank you for my hard-headed woman who makes me do my best. And I have found her. And my life is blessed. Ha ha ha. So there. There's your missionary moment for the day. Um, but a lot of our getting adjusted to Hungary was, was <laughs> not singing songs by Cat Stevens, but uh, by trying to fit in. And so we arrived and started teaching English lessons. And one of my goals this time was not to go back with a missionary visa because the Hungarians think you're cheating. Yes, other people pay you money to come here and live among us, and you're like a salesman. We don't like it. So I said, okay, we're going to go back with a work permit, and we're going to earn some money. And not earn some money, but we're going to, you know, hope to support ourselves and be a part of the Hungarian social fabric and part of their economy. And uh, so we started to get paid. And we were paid cash only. And I said to the Hungarians, what about taxes? And they said, oh, well, we pay the taxes for you. You're supposed to get 2,000 forint per hour. We pay you 1,600 because any money that's left to us without an invoice to claim it is profits. And so we pay profits tax and we pay you the difference. I said, okay. Doesn't sound right, but it's okay. And uh, then I realized after a few months had gone by that Hungarians do not have to ask permission to stay in Hungary, but Americans do. And we're here on a work permit and we're going to have to justify our existence in Hungary. And so uh, <laughs> uh, I found out that if, well, 
A lot of Hungarians live this way, like we did. They have a minimum wage job, which they report to the government. By the way, a full-time job there is 40 hours a month. So if you have 40 hours a month that you get paid for and pay your taxes and withholding on, then the other 120 hours are yours to be uh, to earn whatever money you can. And so these Hungarians said, that's the way we live, you can do that too. But we couldn't. Um, what it means is that most Hungarians are liars to the government. They don't report most of their income. Uh, and I found if you live in a corrupt system like this, uh, and you pray for the system to be improved so that the country is not full of liars, uh, do not be surprised if your own corruption is uncovered by the system which is designed to help people be not so corrupt. So when we went in for our interview to renew our residency visa, the man behind the glass said, did you work in 2005? And our interpreter said, did you work in 2005? I said, yes. He said, do you have a statement of income? The interpreter said, do you have a statement of income? I said, no. And he said, why not? And the interpreter said, why not? And I explained the situation just like I explained it to you, but in more detail. And he said, okay, then you did not work in 2005. And the interpreter said, and you did not work in 2005. He's trying to be helpful. <laughs> I said, okay, I did not work in 2005. So 2005 is okay. Then he said, did you work in 2006? I said, I can't do this again. <laughs> yeah, we worked in 2006, and yeah, we earned a lot of money. But, you know, more than I can just say we didn't work in 2006 because we're trying to renew a work permit and we have to show that we can earn some money. Uh, so we had, to sign, we had to write a few handwritten affidavits saying that, okay, we worked in the gray market, we were bad people, but we have incorporated ourselves and we will be able to write our in, own invoices from now on and we will, we will be good boys and girls and we will obey the law. And he said, that'll be, that'll be okay. So I kind of feel like we've reconciled ourselves to the Hungarian system as it stands. But remember, if you do live in a corrupt society, don't be surprised if your own corruption is uncovered. Especially if you say, Dear God, please, please help these people become a not corrupt society. Well, I'm supposed to be an example. Um, so the other thing we did, the other thing I did this year, was not learn enough language. But it is encouraging that when I go to the deaf school and teach them baseball, every month there are some kids who discover that I am not deaf. That is, these kids are so often talked to and they're expected to read lips and everything that when I, the American, come, I don't know enough Hungarian to talk to them. I do know enough Hungarian sign language to communicate with them. And every month or so, there's some kid who says, are you, are you hearing? And I'll say, yeah, I'm hearing. They say, but you sign. I say, of course I'm a sign. I learned sign language. I know American sign language, and I came here and I learned Hungarian sign language. But you're not deaf. I say, no, I'm not deaf. So this is encouraging to me, that even though I feel like I didn't learn enough language, I can fool the kids into thinking that I'm deaf. Now, fooling a hearing Hungarian into thinking that you're Hungarian is impossible. Because there are only three ways to learn Hungarian, really. One is to be born in Hungary and to grow up there. 
Two is to fall in love with a Hungarian and, and get married to them and insist that they don't speak English to you. You will learn Hungarian. The third way is to have a brain transplant with a Hungarian. <laughs> uh, so that's the story on languages. The third thing I did this year as a missionary is I learned a lot more about God in the last three or four months than I have in the last three or four years combined. Uh, so people think that as missionaries we arrive in Hungary and we have, we have everything, we know everything and we can just tell you how to go to heaven. That is only partially true. Missionaries should be able to tell you <laughs> what God is like and, and what he wants and what heaven is and how to supposedly get there. But that's a wrong impression. Um, missionaries are people who are on their way also. And it's our job to be ambassadors for Christ. It's our job, it's our job to help reveal God to people who aren't really looking for him, who don't, who don't know how. Because in case you haven't noticed, God reveals himself, but God also conceals himself. That is, God does... Haven't you all ever asked, God, please show yourself to me? Show yourself, you say. And God says, Have any of you ever said, God, please show yourself clearly to me and got the answer right there? God appears to you and says, Here I am. Ta-da. Do you hear the music? That has never happened to me. I have had tiny little moments sometimes where I knew that that was God. But those are tiny little moments, and we remember them. But God also hides himself. And, and I think a lot of unbelievers think that that's not fair. Uh, a lot of unbelievers think that, that God is a jerk. And there are worse words that I've heard from what people think of God, too. Uh, but it's our job as missionaries to reveal God to people who don't know that he's really there. Uh, it's our job to introduce the Bible to people, not so much so that they'll get the answers to life, but so that they'll start asking the right questions. Because a lot of people are asking the wrong questions. How can I earn more money? How can I get a bigger car? Yes, Hungarians are interested in cars now too. Um, you know, how can I get a bigger house? There is renovation constantly everywhere in Hungary. People are building bigger houses. And I think Jesus told a story about someone who wanted a bigger barns. So, um, God conceals himself to those who are not looking for him. God reveals himself to those who are looking for him. And we are trying to get people to look for him a little bit more. Because there are two kinds of people in the world. One kind of person, there are people who believe that there is a God who raises the dead and who brings people back to himself. The old style missionaries would say, there is a God who loves us and who saves sinners through Jesus Christ. I would say there are people who believe that there is a God who gives us new life in Jesus Christ. That's one kind of person. The other kind of person in the world is one who does not believe that there is a God who raises the dead and who gives people new life. Okay? Now take... The Christians. There are two kinds of Christians. <laughs> Most people would say, oh, there are liberals and conservatives. I would say that is a very unconstructive 
a very a very inadequate division of Christians into liberals and conservatives, even though that's the fun thing to do in America today. I will say there are two kinds of Christians. Those who believe that the person of Jesus Christ and his death and his resurrection and his presence with us today is the most important thing in life and is the most important thing in human history. And those who believe that something else drives the agenda. And this was a wake-up call to me. I thought that something else was driving the agenda. It was, you know, deaf civil rights in Hungary or some theological statement, but that's not true. Really, either Jesus is at the middle of life and his death and resurrection means everything to me, or there's something else, some other false god who is, who's driving the car today. So, it is our job to reveal God to people who are asking the wrong questions, who think God is a jerk, or who have never heard of God at all, and their world, their world is in a groove that's turned away from God. And it's a very difficult thing to do. And so, if you're the praying type, we would appreciate your prayers. And I know that every missionary who comes back to the U.S. says, we appreciate your prayers. But it's true. Uh, I've never been, in the last year, I've never been so far away from the United States, but feel so connected to the U.S. Because I realized that just because we're in Hungary doesn't make us any more special than you here in Roanoke, or our home church in Richmond. Because if we are working for the kingdom of God in Hungary, you can be working for the kingdom of God here in Virginia. Because the place doesn't matter. Just because you're in a place where you were born and grew up, and you speak the language and can understand everybody, that gives you a great advantage, you know? <laughs> uh, we have to learn a language, and a very difficult language. Hungarians say, Hungarian is the language of heaven, because it takes eternity to learn it. Uh, I tell my Hungarian students, I, I say, you realize there are English speakers in Virginia that you will not be able to understand. They say, oh yeah, really, why? I say, because... If I ask Lee's Uncle Bill, how long does it take to drive from Stewart to Martinsville? He will say, oh, about half hour for five minutes. <laughs> and they said, what? I said, Uncle Bill says, oh, about half hour for five minutes. <clears throat> I wrote it on the board, about a half hour or 45 minutes. And they said, that's not what he said. I said yes, it was. <laughs> So, you speak the language. It's a great advantage. Uh, you grew up here, perhaps. That's not an advantage. Jesus said so. If you grew up here, and suddenly you believe that the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ is the most important thing in human history, people are going to think you're weird. Yeah. It's, it's a problem I have when I visit my family in Richmond. But... I encourage you, be ambassadors for Christ, okay? It doesn't mean that you have to shine like an angel. It just means that you have to live a life with God. What does God ask of us? That we, that we do what is just and right, that we do what is loving and merciful, and that we walk humbly with Him. That's Micah 6.8. Jesus said the same thing so many ways. Do what is right. Love other people. Walk humbly with God.
And then the questions will come. Why are you so weird? Um, let us all be reconciled to God and be reconciled with each other and be reconciled with ourselves. God loves us. We have the right to love ourselves a little bit. And Jesus said, love your neighbor as yourself. If you hate yourself, you have a little problem in life. <laughs> so you may, maybe we need to be reconciled with ourselves also. But reconciliation is our ministry. And I'm not talking about the cottages in Hungary. As the people of Christ, reconciliation is our job. May we all be working on it. Uh, grace and peace to you and yours as we together work in God's kingdom.